0: This is, as real as it gets. this is Phoebe Price,
1: and you're listening to the UCW Radio Show. In Your Face. The number you have reached, 911, has been changed to a non published number. You're
2: listening to UCW Radio. In Your Face. Give it
1: to me, baby.
0: All right, welcome to the UCW Radio Show, and thank you for tuning in. As always, we have a great guest waiting to come on the show. And in this, in, the, in these times, you know, we're facing, we're, we're in the holiday season. We're facing a possible, well, more than likely, <laughs> a fiscal cliff. Taxes are going to be on the rise. A lot of things are going to change. And, you know, we need, I think we all need to hear some positive things, some motivational things. Um, and our next guest, he's an actor. He's a motivational speaker. Actually, he's one of the, the premier keynote speakers on the circuit now. So, uh, and he's also the founder, the founder of Quantum Leap Thinking. You want to check that out. All right, but without further ado, please join me in welcoming our guest, James Mapes. James, welcome to the UCW Radio Show. How are you?
1: I'm terrific, and thank you for having me.
0: No, thank you for coming. At your bio, and trying to figure out where we we're gonna start the show, and I really, you know, was trying to grab onto it. And I, I don't know, from from Hollywood. I mean, you've done a lot of things. You, you, you're an actor, public keynote speaker, author, uh, an award-winning performer in your own one-man show, Journey into the Imagination through hypnosis, and that's something I wanna I wanna hear more about. But you have you have so many things going on and you travel the world and and you work with so many different companies so um i guess i don't know let, let's start in, let's start at the beginning you know well, well let, <laughs> let me give
1: you let me give you kind of a a 2 minute overview of how this came about
0: All right, there uh, you go.
1: i as a as a young man from the midwest i had add dyslexia adhd and i probably would have been medicated if there was medication for what i had you know i couldn't pay attention my mind wandered I was curious about everything. I wanted to do everything, and I, I muscled my way through college, but I got my degree in, in theater, my undergraduate in psychology, my mm-hmm. master's. And I started off as an actor, but I was always curious about psychology, so I went out on the road for three years with different companies acting, and then I came to New York to do soap operas, and I started to study hypnosis. And then that led me into studying the mind and psychology and neurology. And I put to, then, I put to, then I had a private practice with hypnosis while I was acting. And then I started to do uh, a one-man show with hypnosis, and that took off. So I was doing like 150 of these a year around college campuses, but I was still acting and I was still doing the private practice. Then I went into public seminars. And then from there, uh, my manager talked me into going to the corporate field, which was the best of the deal in 82 mm-hmm. with Quantumly Thinking because it was – I loved it. it. I could do everything I wanted. It, I traveled the world, and it paid a lot of money. And then uh, I never stopped all the other stuff, and it took me 14 years to write my first book, and that became a bestseller. Yeah, and I've been writing another one for nine years, I've just about done, and I just launched today, this is an odd conversation uh, for this, but today, after three and a half years, I just launched launched a project to hospitals uh, to help uh, pre-surgery patients reduce their fear and heal faster and get rid of stress and get off narcotics sooner.
0: Yeah, well, it's not an odd uh, topic for the show, because we speak about everything, and uh basically your 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 life um, uh your background is eclectic uh, and and I, I dig that because you have so many positive things going on, and that is what inspires people you know even tonight, being on the show you 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 obviously you were speaking today, and you know s- some people may just say, "All right, well, I'm not, I can't do this, I am tired, you know, but you keep going." You, you have this um, this passion about life and that that's that's great um, and I guess that's was what has led you to going out there and speaking yeah you get paid well for doing that but I kind of believe that you enjoy helping people
1: oh, that's well that's yeah I I today was an interesting day I don't get paid for this kind of thing that I did today but as I said before when we were just chatting this I had never done anything like this this is a group of 25 to well, I guess a 30, 14 to 18 year olds, uh, mostly African American, who have been in jail. They've been, uh, they don't have a home. They're in foster homes. So when I was asked to do this, I went to myself. You know, I'm probably going to be beat up. You know, I'm a, I'm a six foot three white guy, and (laughs) but but I but I know people and I know young people, and I I was just telling my wife this before you called. I said I have to tell you in my wildest imagination I never thought it was going to have the impact it did. Because I do interactive stuff too mm-hmm. and I tell the truth. I mean I was a I mean as a child I, I got in a lot of trouble. I mean lots of trouble, not just like a little bit of trouble. But I was angry and I because I was a big guy, uh and I hated sports, mm-hmm. uh and I liked theater. You know, I mean, that's, you know, what is, what is the guy? Is he, is he gay? Is he mm-hmm. straight? Is he, what what is he? And I was just a guy who loved girls and women and, and had a passion for creativity. Well, where I grew up, creativity was the bottom rung. I mean, writing and acting and painting and, and music and all that sort of thing. So I have failed a lot in my life, but I... I teach people you, two things. One, you've got to make friends with failure, and mm-hmm. you got to make friends with rejection. And if you can't do that, you're not going to make it in this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that's all growth. That's all. You always feel hurt. You always feel rejected. And then you go, what did I learn? And when you get the lesson, then you become better than you were. So my passion for helping people, that's everything. I mean, to, to me, that's, that's my life.
2: Mm-hmm
0: well i I think that um you know your your background and how how you grew up yeah, you were able to connect with these kids today i'm I'm sure of that because you know what it is to face adversity and overcome it and
1: it's true and and when, especially when you don't know it's adversity you know i mean it's, <laughs> when you're young, you just don't know later in life i did yeah i mean i uh I, you know, I did 1,500 of my one-man shows over the years, including Broadway and Lincoln Center in New York City, the highest of the high. But the first two shows I did, I literally, when I'm telling you this, I literally walked down on stage and somebody threw a bottle of beer at me and said, get the hell out of here, you're a phony. And, and, And I almost made the decision to quit. And then I said, I'm not, I'm just going to keep forging ahead and i built it into an award-winning show but the point is you don't do anything in life unless you're willing to get out there and and fail because how else are you going to learn if everybody succeeded there would be no success because everybody would be a
0: success oh that's true and look the most successful people i know have failed more than most oh absolutely (laughs) you know because you go through it you may even uh you know uh you know the you know, Thomas Edison, I mean, how many times did he fail?
1: Oh, uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Yeah. And it's interesting, I, I told a story today, I haven't told in years, but my nephew, mm-hmm. when he came into my life and grew up, what he saw with his uncle was a guy out there doing shows and doing corporations on creativity and leadership and doing this and doing that. And he he said to me, I want the quick money. He said that. And I said, well, you're... I never have gone for money ever. I come from a very, very poor family. It was never my intention. Uh, it was about, all about my passion and so he is where he is in life today, uh, which is i you know in my judgment, I certainly am wrong in my judgment because he wanted the quick fix and you you i' studied martial arts for twelve years, and I started very late in my life because I was too afraid uh, at first, and then I thought I was too old, and then I started. And for years and years, until I got my first black belt, you had to go back and be a beginner. You never, you never uh, went into your dojo without going back to do what you did at the very beginning. It was frustrating. Mm-hmm. But, but to learn the basics and go back to the basics and understand there ain't no free lunch. And and you got to go with your passion because people get... You know, I spend a lot of time talking about this. What do you love to do? And above all, what are your strengths? Uh, my strengths and my weaknesses, I know and I freely admit, I'm not a detail person. I screw up when it comes to detail, so I have a personal assistant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't do it. I simply i can't. And so—and I'm kind of a space cadet. My mind's a 20-ring t- circus, so I got, I got my bases covered for that and have learned that over the years. But my strengths are... One is I'm a people person, and so my strengths are with people, networking, and my other strength is I I love to teach. I love I love to take complex ideas and make them simple for people. Now that's so. If I play to that, I'm okay. But if I try to say, well, well what am I weak at? Gee, I I, I I'm I'm weak at uh, math, and I'm weak at. Uh, logistics and so I say, Oh, I better go study that to get myself better. I'm doomed mm-hmm. because the truth is I'm playing to my weaknesses, not my strengths. So people need to identify their strengths. They need to identify their values. My top three values in life, and I do an exercise with people in my workshops, they're only about fifty two values. But my top three values are love, freedom and fun. Mm-hmm. And those then the fourth one is is uh making a difference, but those are my top three values. And so I need to do in life what satisfies those, or I'm going to be a very unhappy camper. And when I'm an unhappy camper, it's not a pretty sight. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so, and what's my passion? Uh, well, uh, you listen to my career, I'm curious. Curiosity to me is one of the greatest signs of people, and that's squashed in, in a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, they're put in a box, and you've got to just, you know, what, what engages you? Uh, I worked with a person once as a private uh, peak performance coach, and and he couldn't get a grip on a career. And I and I finally, after finally, he said, "I love to read. How am I going to make a living at that?" Well, the, the cut to the to the present, he's one of the top script readers for a major studio, uh, and so there's always a way to figure out how to turn your passion into uh, a living, mm-hmm. and also. It usually has to do with helping someone or fulfilling a need.
0: Yeah, and that that I agree with you 100%. You know, I think, you know, a couple of points that I just want to make on what you just said, you know, uh, a lot of people think that they have to do everything by themselves and they have to, you know, handle everything. You know, I, I used to be like that, but uh, someone taught me something on, you know, I used to be on Wall Street for a while, they taught me something, and he said, you know what? You may not be the smartest guy in the world, but this is how you compensate. You surround yourself with smart people, and that's going to help you to to achieve what you need to achieve. You know, and secondly, you know, with people, I think that a lot of young people have the misconception that chasing the money is going to make them happy. You know, the money is the easy part of the deal. That's the easy thing. Working towards what you love to do so it's not work, I believe is is the hard thing, and once you get past that, the money will come. It'll come, but you have to find where your niche is. So I agree with everything that you were saying, James. And the
1: the first thing that you said, it's very interesting, you should say this, because I've been a loner. I've never had a boss since I was 16 when I worked at McDonald's, and I got fired for hitting somebody over the head with a box of 32 buns.
0: (laughs) 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 You're killing me. So,
1: So that's good news and bad news, because... I was not a team player for a long time. Now I've reached a point in my life uh, and some years ago where I discovered that I can't have a boss, Mm -hmm. but I can have a partner. Mm -hmm. And that means that who I surround myself with is extremely important. I don't surround myself. Well, 25 years, 26 years ago, my wife, now wife, brought me in her office, and she said, if you're to be with me, you have to know something. And on her wall... She had a sign that says, I will not be around people that vex the spirit. So, and then she goes on to explain that there are life enhancers and life diminishers. And if you surround yourself with life diminishers, people who complain, people are negative, you may want to save the world, but it will suck your energy to the bone. And every few years I do something that may sound harsh to your listeners. I do, I do an evaluation of all the people in my life. And there have been times that I've had to eliminate people gently and lovingly, by the way, and that I just moved them out of my life because what they're doing, they're not enhancing. Mm-hmm. They are depleting. And, and people take, uh, there are a lot of people that just want to take, not, not give. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you can't receive. Uh, so, so relationships are incredibly important. And I never got, I did not get anywhere I am in life without tremendous support tremendous partners working in a win-win situation. And so
0: that's a great point. Well, I I, I think you know what you said. Uh, you said it may sound harsh, but it's it's reality. You know, uh, when you surround yourself, when you have negative people, when you have the naysayers around you, uh, I mean, I mean, when people like that are around me, I'm like, uh, yeah, did you bring the razor blade with you so I could slip my <laughs> wrist in the process? You know, I, I mean, I like I, I personally and a lot of our listeners, you know, are positive people. They look to be inspired. And uh, the reality is, for me, having negative people around doesn't work because that hinders my progress, as, yep. as, as as it does with most people. But a lot of people don't realize it because what should be abnormal becomes their normal. And that's scary.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's scary. That's why That's why that people have... I, I believe and I don't say people have to do anything, for goodness sakes, but it's if you choose to introspect, if you choose to really look at your life and your relationships, you you can't lose. Um, what it's it in a new book I've been working on. I mean, probably your listeners know the definition of the conscious and the subconscious mind. But to me, it's a I do a six-minute talk to corporations. I call it the history of the mind in six minutes, and 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 what all the neuroscience. I mean, a lot of what we're talking about has practical. Application and is based in science, and that is that the conscious mind—that little voice in your head that you talk to yourself with, the visionary, the critical, judgmental self—and that's only 10% of our mind. All brain science has shown that 90% of our mind is the subconscious. It doesn't think; it's the emotional center, it's the memory center, it's the, it's the it the, it's the 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 primitive fight or flight mechanism. And what I say to the people that I talk to, I said, let me tell you something, and I, and I lay this out in, in a way of neuroscience proves it, and I go, if you're a control freak, you better leave the room. The reality is we don't have control over our mind, mm-hmm. but we do, we do have control in the sense that we can influence our subconscious. Mm-hmm. And that takes very specific tools of, of evaluation and visualization and self-talk, and, because Surrounding yourself with negative people, well, that inputs the part of us that can't tell the difference between a real or an imagined experience. When I talk at the beginning of all my workshops, and today I did the same thing, this was what won the audience. I take a lemon, and I say, look, we're going to play a little game in the imagination. What I'm going to do, I'm going to count to three and take a big bite out of this lemon. And I want you to imagine, when I do this, biting it with me. And the way you do that is to recall a lemon, the shape and the color, and I describe it. And I cut it in half, and I say, and the juice that dribbles out of it, I say, you're ready. One, two, three. I take a big bite out of this lemon, and the juice runs down my chin. And I stop, and I gather myself, take a swig of water, and I say, how many of you had a reaction to that? Well, the same result today with a group of people that never wanted to think about these, these this young group mm-hmm. that I was talking to. About 90% of them raised their hand. I said, you just created something out of nothing. And how you did that is because our subconscious mind cannot tell the difference between a real or an imagined experience. So when you project in the future and you imagine negative things happen, well, that influences our choices. But it's not wrong to do that. As long as you project in the future and you go, aha, mm-hmm. I'm afraid of that happening. How can what can I do now as a guard against that happening so you turn negative thinking into positive planning
0: well I think that's the same and i'm uh, I'm just gonna get maybe a little bit raw uh, I think that's a, that's the same when someone uh, sees uh, when a guy sees another guy get uh, you know get kicked in the private parts uh, they feel it it's just <laughs> You know. it's,
1: it's genetic, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but you feel it because because you, you have that in your mind and you see it. Same thing with the lemon. You, it's it's a I guess it's uh, something that's uh, like recalled in your memory. It just comes it's out. also
1: empathy. Yeah. It's part of what makes us human. Mm-hmm. If we're sensitive in any way, we empathize with other people, and so what they feel, we feel. You mm-hmm. surround yourself with people who are always complaining and. You know, blaming, especially blame is the worst. I talk a lot about fear, rejection, change, success, failure, and commitment. And I, bu- this is only James May speaking here. I believe there are only two emotions in life, and the two emotions are love and fear. And anything you throw at me is going to be put in those categories. And when one, when love, of, and I don't mean gooey love, I just mean a way of seeing the world. Mm-hmm. So when love uh, which has to do with letting go and forgiveness, when love is there, fear can't be. When fear is there, love can't be. They cannot exist in the same time and space. And so when people start to recognize the power of fear, which is guilt, mm-hmm. uh, feeling guilty about not doing something or doing something or I should do something, you're 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 doomed as long as you stay in that without resolving it mm-hmm. or blame. You blame God, the government, or your mother, your father, you're doomed. Because you have, once you blame, you have no choice. There's no road of action. You can't, I don't want to get cosmic, but heal yourself or make positive choices. So fear is something to investigate and really examine as to how it controls us, because it does, and we don't know it most of the time.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. I mean, that's what makes... Um I, I guess like like uh, makes people want to explore things because they have a fear of they have a fear of uh, going into outer space, but then we went to the moon, we go here, we go there. you know uh, it, it kind of piques your curiosity as well, the fear
1: Well, well, I, I curiosity think... there's I, I, I put fear into three categories. The first category is what I call delicious fear. Mm-hmm. And I feel that when I walk in front of an audience, I felt it today. I feel it when I race cars or scuba dive, I mean there's a lot, it's, a, it's fear, but it's also a really cool kind of energizing feeling. And then there's primitive fear, which is the way our brain is programmed, it's fight or flight. It's either we look at things as a threat or we don't. And then the third fear, which is the one that I talk a lot about, write about, is called illusory fear. And that is when we interpret things that are happening in a way that creates us to be in primitive fear. For example, uh, everyone is afraid of rejection. Mm -hmm. And I certainly am. And I've never met anyone who isn't on some level. But if fear controls you and you don't know it, fear is the fear of isolation or being alone. So that's kind of in the deepest part of us. So if we're ruled by that, if it governs us and we don't know it, what happens is we either isolate ourselves so that we can't be hurt or we reject somebody before he or she can reject us or we don't uh, go out in the world or communicate. Now, we do it to protect ourselves, but why I call illusory fear the great trickster is what's happened is we have the same result as if the fear, in other words, we're isolated. We've isolated ourselves. Or the other side of the coin, which happens on all fears, is if we become dominating, controlling, or a bully. We push people away, and then we go, hi, how come no one likes us? So that fear, on an unconscious level, has manipulated us to, to have behavior that creates the fear. And the same thing goes with failure. We don't take risks. Uh, or we take too many risks, but there's a way for people to start to think about what they don't have in their life, mm-hmm. and then to look at the choices they're making. And this is the hardest, this is the most difficult word in my profession: is to be accountable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, okay. to own that, yeah. and without blaming yourself. Uh, because this is not about right or wrong, good, bad, or blame. This is just simply about what you're all about, Louis. Yeah. Is you help people to recognize and make better choices in their life.
0: You need to do that. And accountability is is a key thing. You know, uh, we need to keep sending that message to Congress.
1: Accountability. Oh, <laughs> boy, do we ever, huh? Uh, oh, we're, we're
0: going over that fiscal cliff. Hopefully they, they come to some sort of resolve uh, sooner than later. Uh, we'll cross on our fingers. Um, but, yeah, you know, what? it's funny with your illusory. All right, I was doing some research, and— you don't you don't know it, but I'm. I was looking at one of your videos. You had me looking at the plus sign and all these lights are uh, going around in a circle, and my eyes are like flipping out. I said, "Oh, I'm going to get James on the show now." <laughs> <laughs> but, but but it's interesting. It really is interesting that your that your your mind begins to see something that's not there.
1: Well, people can go to the website uh, JamesMaps.com and see that, but it's. What lewis is referring to is is that I show this illusion in all my workshops because it's hard. It's I'm not even going to tell your listeners on this, but it's 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 an illusion where you see what isn't there, and that's the same thing that happens with illusory fear. You see things, you invent. You know what? I was t- talking to my wife about this about three days ago. I was very upset because I uh, an acquaintance of mine, a close acquaintance, has not communicated with me now. When Communication is a number one with me. So when people don't communicate with me, I start to make up reasons why they don't, right? So I start yeah. to say, what did I do <laughs> wrong? And then it, uh, and so my wife says, why don't you read page 57 of your book? You know, I mean, I say, I hate it when that happens. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so
0: you, you even have to revisit your, your, your own book sometimes. But, oh,
1: I revisit. Yeah. I, I don't stop. Le- Susan, my wife, says, living with me is like living with her head in a and you know, I don't get off the phone and stop this. This goes. This is my life.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you, but you, but you know something, James. What, how you are, and and you continue to push yourself. You know, you have been for you know your, your whole since you were a kid. You push yourself because you have to because that's something that's inherent in you. Where you could have easily at any given time before you've achieved success, before you you started writing books, before you hit theater, before you did a lot of things, you could have just accepted your situation and said, okay, this is my life, and that's it.
1: Boy, are you right. I'll tell yeah. a, a very quick story. Three, and, three years and two months ago, I was shooting a film in Scotland. I was acting in a dream part, uh, very, and I'm not a young man, I'm very physically active. I was working 18 hours a day, rehearsing, putting 18-year-olds to shame. So I did this part in a film called The Wicker Tree, a mystery thriller, and, and, I, and I got home. To kinetic and my wife and i came back and i got depressed and i was depressed for three days and and i don't that's not an emotion i feel i feel angry frustrated i never feel depression so i said you know i'm going to go talk to my internist so i go to my physician he said you know what why don't you go across the street and talk to your cardiologist so i went across the street and they did a what's called an echocardiogram where they kind of measure the pulse of my heart and that night I was going out with a buddy of mine for lobster and martinis. He was taking me out, of my stockbroker, and we were.
0: Yeah. I
1: was waiting. It was two minutes to six. It was raining, and I'll never forget this. And the phone rang. It was my cardiologist, and he said, "James, I know you're stubborn, so I'm going to just put this up front. You have less than two weeks to live. Uh, you have an aortic aneurysm, and you you are not going to survive." So I went in and had three martinis. Uh, but uh, it was. It was something. Believe me, I had my heart taken out of my body and rebuilt, basically. So before I went into this, I made a decision. What? And I'm, this is to your point. I said, I was scared shitless. Mm-hmm. And so I said, the only way I'm going to get through this is to go into it and learn everything I can so when I come out, I am going to have a new program to help people in my situation. So I went in, I started to question nurses, I, I created a program, mm. which as of, let me just look at the time here, Five, six hours six hours and 15 minutes ago, mm. is absolutely completed, and it's packaging, it's recording, it's a two-disc CD mm-hmm. called Patient Pre-op, Post-op Healing Therapy, and what it does is it eliminates all fear, it, it gets people calm, it helps them heal 30% faster and gets them off narcotics, sooner. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. And we put it in Bridgeport Hospital in Connecticut, but so out of that adversity where I could have folded and, or, or whatever, you know, you get depressed, you give up, you don't know what, if you, if people in adversity create a goal or a vision of themselves that's stronger than the fear, it's going to drive them through the fear. It pulls you through it.
0: Yeah, no, that's amazing, James. You know, uh, I didn't know. That's that's something I didn't know that you went through. Um, and to, to pull through that and still do what you're doing and be as active as you are, I commend you on that. Cause, well, thank you. you know, I, you're welcome. Um, the reality is you're right. You could have easily sat in that bar, had your your, your Connecticut special, because that's the lobster and the, the martini, and uh, you could have just uh, you know, been depressed and been sad and, and kind of given up on a lot of things, but you decided not to.
1: And out of that, I came what I call five keys to living an exceptional life, which is part of this program, and, and I'll run you through these very fast, but the first one is make friends with reality. Mm-hmm. And most people... Uh, not, not most people, but people have a tendency when they're hit hard with something negative to deny or blame. Mm-hmm. When you have no control, then. So when you make friends with reality and you're willing to see things as they absolutely are, uh, you can you can take action. You can make plans. You can gather you know what you need to do. And the second thing is attitude. I question nurses in the hospital and doctors, and I've questioned two or 300 cents, and that uh, the question was, do people with a better attitude have a better survival rate? And unanimously, they said, there have been people that shouldn't have had problems, that either had a lot of problems or actually died, and these were the people that bitched and complained and yelled and, and, and argued and weren't grateful, and then there were people that should have had more problems. But they were the ones that were Grateful and thanked us, and I mean, attitude is everything. Attitude mm-hmm. is everything in getting hired in a job. It's everything in getting good friends in your life. And the third is 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 be willing to ask for support. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, "Hey, I can do this alone. I don't need anybody." But when you when you do, when you ask for support, what most people don't know is, neurologically in the brain, we are wired for reciprocity, meaning that if we do a good deed for someone we're wired genetically to do a good deed back. Mm-hmm. So if you want to have a good support group, just do a lot of good deeds in the world, you there, know. There you go.
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> there and you then go. The,
1: next, the next thing is be grateful. And that, I do a whole exercise with that with people on all my private coaching clients. And the fifth, what I call the five keys to living a successful life, is having a vision in place that can care strong enough to carry you through any crisis It doesn't matter if someone dies, or you fail, or you get fired, but if you've got a vision in place, it's like a rubber band tied to the future, it creates a tension. And yes, you may mourn, you may feel upset, you may feel sorry for yourself, but it's all temporary. Mm -hmm. And then you go back to that vision, and that creates the excitement, the energy uh, to move through adversity.
0: And you you know about adversity. I mean, you you you're like you're you're an amazing uh, person, James. All right. And what we're gonna do? We're gonna take a quick break because I want to get into more stuff uh, with your acting and and your martial arts. I want to talk about some more things. Uh, but we're gonna take a quick break. So just stay with us, and we're gonna be back on the UCW Radio Show with uh, James Mapes. He's, we're gonna be touching on some things. So you want to stay tuned? Just hang on.
2: continue a tradition here at the White House by honoring some extraordinary people who have no business being on the same stage together. We've got Muddy Guy sitting next to Dustin Hoffman. We've got Dave Letterman alongside one of the greatest ballerinas of all time. I don't think Dave dances. All three living members of Led Zeppelin in one place so uh, this is a remarkable evening and it it speaks to something that has always made this country great Uh, the idea that here in america more than any other place on earth uh, we are free to follow our own passions explore our own gifts wherever they may lead us and people from all around the world come here uh, to make sure that uh, they too can Uh, provide us the incredible gifts uh, that they have. Tonight's honorees uh, didn't just take up their crafts to make a living. Uh, They did it because they couldn't imagine living any other way. And that passion took each of them from humble beginnings to the pinnacle of their profession. And tonight, in the People's House, we have a chance to say thank you.
0: All right, welcome back to the UCW Radio Show. We're here with our great guest, James Mapes. James, welcome back to the show. Thank you for for hanging on there. Um, I, I want to get into more things uh, with with your life. Forget about your career. Your careers, you know, uh, your life. Now, uh, one one question I have: when you were you grew up in the Midwest, and there had yeah. to be a turning point for you where you made a decision to. I mean, you made a decision to change your life for the better. You weren't chasing the money, but you made a decision. You know, yeah. at that moment. Oh yeah, I can tell you can, what that Yeah, is. yeah, definitely tell us about that because I, I want to. I, 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 I grew up in a very that. poor
1: family, very poor, and my mother always, every day in my life, was not enough, mm-hmm. not enough. Well, how are we going to survive? Depression mentality. I got caught stealing for the first time when I was eight. Then at for ten and then I, I stole again when I was in junior high school and it followed me on a path that just I thought was going to do me, and then I got really angry, and I started creating these fake bombs with gunpowder, and I was kicked out of, 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 of school for a while got back, and then I went to my first year of college, which was all done by me, and then I got kicked out for stealing and fighting, and, uh, and then... My aunt and uncle, who had no money, took me in, built a little room in the basement for me, and I went to a junior college. And I, I literally woke up in my mind, and I said, you know, all the stealing stuff was, had to do with other stuff. But I woke up and I said, you know, you, nobody, everybody, you're not listening to people out there. You're not taking in the support that you have. You've got to get rid of your anger. You've got to get rid of the stuff and i made the decision and i remember it i can only turn my life around because i was going to end up in jail there's no there was no question about it and i made a decision and i went from the first year of college with a with a d plus average and being kicked out to a straight a and it was tough and it was miserable but i also made a decision that i was going to go to college and study acting which my parents didn't want me to do they wanted me to have a much more stable career so i i i applied and was accepted at a college in california state university and i soared i studied philosophy i studied psychology i studied acting i got my master's degree uh and i earned everything that i paid for my whole college and when I got my master's degree, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. Everybody wants to be in theater. Mm-hmm. But I didn't stop. I went out. I slept under a stage earning $15 a week at the New Jersey Shakespeare Festival. I was taken in by somebody that helped me. I ended up in a Shakespeare company in New Orleans for a year and started really. I was a master carpenter and an actor. And out of that, I came to New York and started hustling. I didn't have anything, any connections. And everybody said. You know, you've got to do it this way. And I've never listened to rules. Mm-hmm. So I, I broke all the rules. And within six months, I had five commercials running. I was doing soap operas. And then within another six months, I started studying hypnosis. And I didn't know anything about it. And I, I was taken in by someone who was one of the greatest teachers in the world. I didn't know it or appreciate it at that time. He wrote 60 books. His name was Harry Aarons, Dr. Harry Aarons. And I learned and studied the mind. And that that got me on a path. Now, I, my first film after soap operas, Gotting Lied Edge of Night, Search for Tomorrow, One Life to Live, was Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. Now, a story about Taxi Driver. I had one line, and it was cut out of the movie. But on the Academy Awards, there was... Have you ever watched the Academy Awards?
0: Oh, Every year.
1: Okay. So there's always a film clip mm-hmm. showing from a movie. Huh. Mm-hmm. I happened to be in that film club for Taxi Driver. It oh, just, you know, who who would have figured? I mean, it was a total accident. But because of that, I got another soap opera, and then I continued my acting. I was out on tours and bus and truck tours and off Broadway, and I've done about 14 films. Star Trek, a couple Star Trek films, and, uh, uh, Conversations with God, last film I did was called The Wicker Tree. So that was my, that, I've never stopped. My wife and I are writing a script this winter. I'll start raising money in the, in the spring. Uh, so that, so I, I made a decision in nineteen, let me just think when this was, 1975. I made a little graph on my bulletin board. And I said, I, I want to be, a, no, I, it wasn't the word celebrity, but it was, it was the only thing I could come up with because what I wanted was five careers. Mm-hmm. and i couldn't no one's ever had five careers and i it took me fourteen years to write my first book uh and I failed a lot with that because I had dyslexia I wouldn't get any help and then and then a publisher grabbed it and and then I became an author <laughs> I mean I couldn't believe it and and then that leveraged my speaking because now I had the credibility of this fabulous which I love this book, and it still gets a lot of play uh so then, I'm mean, I'm jumping around here, so stop me whenever you want. I decided, when I was 30, I no, thought I'm, I was...
0: I'm captivated, so I'm, I'm, okay. I'm just listening to you now. <laughs> when
1: I was 30, I was too scared to start martial arts. Mm-hmm. When I was 40, I thought I was too old. So I waited, of course, being me, till 50. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Okay. And I go in, and I dedicated myself to this. I mean, I really... I mean, I had to work harder than anyone because I was fifty years old. So I did that for twelve years, um, and I learned so much from martial arts. And one is that you got to go back to the basics. You've got to constantly uh, uh, practice, and you're always a beginner because every time you progress in martial arts, and I studied uh, Kempo Karate, every time you progress, they give you something new, so you feel like a dope. You know, I mean, you. Mm-hmm. You don't, so you're always on the edge of being a beginner, and that's what I always tell people is, be a beginner. Don't, you know, don't let your ego get in the way of anything. Ego's bullshit, yeah. and, uh, uh, you know, ego is never good. Anybody that says, I've got a healthy ego, or you should have, all that's bad. Ego is nothing but fear. So you you, you, you which means, well, you said before, it's being accountable and responsible, curious. You take thought-out risks. I didn't do that for a long time. I did my, in 1973, I produced my first theater up in Maine. I raised money off a hope and a prayer. I hired a whole New York company, borrowed money, did money, and I needed money. So somebody said, do you do stunt work? Yes. I don't do stunt work. And they were shooting a movie up there. I said, do you ride a motorcycle? I said, yes. Never been on a motorcycle in my life. I had an hour lesson. Right? So I go to do stunt work on a movie and I end up breaking my fingers and my arm and my hand, which is still screwed up. But, you know, so I've learned a lesson over the years. You know, I've always jumped in the lion's den and figured out how to fight the lion. Now I'm getting a little smaller. At least I take lessons on how to control a lion. <laughs>
0: there you go.
1: <laughs> but you gotta take risks. There's no you know, if you don't take some risks, well thought out risks, you you don't learn. You don't fail, you don't grow.
0: Yeah, and just just to touch on on martial arts, and again, I think that's fantastic that even you know when, when you were when you hit fifty that you got involved in the arts and you you made a point about something about always you know everything goes around full circle yin yang you go you know that's why you go from a white belt or go all the way around you wind up at a white belt again i mean this is a cycle okay yeah. uh you know dan and Asanto. you know that's uh, bruce lee's uh one of his uh number one student, students but you know joe lewis said it uh we had yeah. uh, we had jeff smith on the uh on the show the other day and you know bill superfoot uh, bill superfoot wallace you know all, all great guys and they all agree on this that you always have to be learning. Always, forever be a student. Always learn.
1: Boy, is that the truth. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to the library, not library, I go to the bookstore all the time, and I'm buying books that stretch my mind. I mean, I don't always understand anyone, and I think, you know, it's funny, we're talking, and here here's the undercurrent of who I am, right? Which has mm-hmm. which, which never gone away. I'm a fat, stupid child who got beat up a lot. Well... That never goes away. I don't care what anyone says. Mm-hmm. It always hovers around. And so I spend my life learning mm-hmm. and making a difference and, and probably trying not to be that fat, stupid child who was beat up a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but isn't, isn't it amazing that you, know, you can go through certain uh, uh, dramatic and traumatic things when you're younger and people say, well, you'll get over it, you'll, you'll forget about it but you never actually forget about it, and it's like you, you think about it, it's like it happened yesterday.
2: It is,
1: yeah. and, and that's part of the beauty and the, well, both the beauty and the curse of what's called the subconscious mind is it doesn't have a time sense. One of my skills, uh, which I was known for as a hypnotist, is age regression. That's taking people back in their past. Mm-hmm. So I worked a lot with the New York Police Department to help witnesses to a crime or victims to a crime recover memories that they couldn't recover, and I worked a lot with child abuse victims. Mm-hmm. And what I learned over that 15-year period, and I still do it now and then, is that our memories don't go anywhere. They mm-hmm. can become a little, they change and they warp, but they're still what we believe to be true. Mm-hmm. So maybe my memory of going on the kindergarten yard for the first time when I didn't want to be in school and being hit in the face isn't real, but it's real to me, mm-hmm. and I've acted off of it. So none of that stuff. And that's why, you know, this is a whole other subject, but the last three chapters of my new book that I'm working on is Letting Go, Forgiveness, the Ultimate Let Go, mm-hmm. and Tools for Forgiveness. The first part of the book is all about perceptions of the mind and values and all that sort of thing. But what I've discovered over the years And I've worked with professional golfers. I've worked with people who are getting divorced. I've worked with people who are stuck in their careers and CEOs who can't manage their team. What I've discovered is everyone who comes to me has to let go of something. Mm -hmm. It could be letting go of a grudge you hold from somebody who's been dead for 25 years, or it can be letting go of somebody who didn't hire you, or it could be letting go of a betrayal, or it could be letting go of your image about yourself.
0: That's Wait. a key thing, I'm glad you said that uh, yeah yeah you know, I think that's important, but go ahead i'll I'll let you uh, No,
1: that's it that's that's kind of it so letting uh, go is a huge, huge thing for people to understand
0: yeah, and letting i mean you, you, there are a lot of people out there, and I come across the two that have um uh, they they have such a a low um low value of their image, they think that they are not worth this much, or they can only get this person, or be with this type of person. But meanwhile, they're not, you know, they're not going out there and not venturing out to, to live a fulfilling life. You know, you have to live. You have to be happy in your life. You know, some of the wealthiest people, you know, in the world are some of the most miserable pricks out there, and I say that, you know, because it's true, because money doesn't well, make you
1: happy. Well, because money is, you know, we were talking about this the other night at a dinner party, and I... Because I have a depression mentality coming from not enough, and now I've changed around, is that money, you've got to look at what money means to you. And that is that to me, all money means is one thing. Number one, I got freedom. Mm -hmm. Number two, I can do things for other people. Now, I'm not a great philanthropist, and I'm not maybe, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And so it gives me great joy to do things for people. But money is. You've got to figure out, what. what do you if you want, oh, I want to be rich, what, do you, well, what does that mean? What's it going to give you? Because cl- I used to do a workshop on abundance. Mm-hmm. I haven't done this for years, but I will tell you how I started, which was a hoot. Uh, I did something a little illegal. I'd come out, I had about 50 people, and I'd take a $100 bill and pass it around the room. And they'd pass it back to me, and I'd take a lighter and burn it up. <laughs> and, and I'd say, what do you think? Well, there are people with their jaw hanging open. You know, there were some people say, said, I don't give a crap. That's your money, not mine. And other people say, are you insane? That's $100. So the whole point of that demonstration, which they got, was what do you project on the Almighty Daughter? Mm-hmm. What do you project? It is nothing. no. And people aren't going to get this. It's nothing in itself. Mm-hmm. It represents something for you. So once you grab a hold of what that means, for me, again, it's freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Having money has allowed me to create more things to give people. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I've got to have the money to do that. And hopefully, eventually, the things I create for people will give me money back or not. But it's, but that's my joy. That's my personal
0: joy. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think, you know, you're, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head with that, you know, because money only it gives you the freedom. Money gives you – you live comfortably. Okay, and that's great, but you have to do something else to have a – uh, uh, you have your life filled with uh, with joy, with happiness, you know, and and things of that nature. And I think people sometimes lose sight of it. You know, look, I, I, I'm my background is for the most part, you know, business is Wall Street. So people chase the money, okay. And I've seen a lot of miserable people, and there were some they're very wealthy, but they were miserable because they were chasing the money and not actually doing what they enjoyed doing, not living their uh living their dreams as opposed to just dreaming and you know that you got you have to kinda do something with it. And you know what's funny, James, about you is that, you know, I, I think this was like in I don't know, like two thousand I'm gonna say two thousand three, four or something, five, something like that, whatever it was. But there was this frenzy. Uh this lady went on Oprah with her book and all this stuff happened, secret this, secret that, all this stuff, you know, and but you or the, in, in my view, you're the originator of of that. Um, I guess that 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 you know. I guess uh, perceiving something, having it in your mind, and actually executing. Because if you, well,
1: it's a, you the know. secret's all about the law of attraction, and I and I liked it, but I didn't love it. And the reason I didn't love it, it let out of it left out a very, very, very important. Part of it
0: actions, <laughs>
1: you bet. There you go. <laughs> you bet. Persistence, commitment, and action. Because if you just look at the secret, you think, "Well, I'm going to sit here in my chair and visualize what I want and it's going to happen." Well, that's that's just nuts. But yeah. that's but that sells a lot of books. Now, there's a hypnosis demonstration I do. I'll tell you the demonstration and I'll tell you why I do it. Um, I tell two people at once, and this is in front of a couple thousand people, and with a hypnosis. suggestion. You can't remember the number six, and then to the other person, you can't remember the number seven. You can't say it, see it, or hear it, and you won't remember that I told you that. So I've set up what's called a paradigm or a belief system, temporary. And then I have them count their fingers, and it gets a great laugh because they count 11 fingers. And then I take out $2,000, and I put it on a table. Mm -hmm. I took twenty dollars bills, and I say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have this audience of 2,000 people shout out the number. So shout out a number. If you can tell me the number, take the 2,000 and go back. Right? So I have, first of all, I have them shout out the total of three and three. So the 2,000 people are going, six. And I turn to the person that I gave that suggestion to. What did you hear? What, what do you mean, what did I hear? Then I do the same thing with the number seven person. Mm-hmm. What do you, I didn't hear anything, or I heard a roar. I didn't hear anything. Mm-hmm. I said, don't try to please me. There's $2,000. Take it to go back to the audience. Then I have my assistant take a flip chart, and they write the numbers on it. And the people cannot perceive the numbers, six or seven. Now, I'm telling you, and people listen to say, oh, yeah, all right, right. We did this on Broadway. We did it at Lincoln Center. I've done it over 1,500 times. I've never lost a dime. And the reason, if you look at the secret, the law of attraction, Mm-hmm. The point is we don't see in life what we don 't believe it 's very simple mm-hmm. it 's not a it's not rocket science if you if I set and I showed you videos of blonde people people with blonde hair, and then I set you out in a crowd of a thousand people with different colored hair, and I say, "See who you spot first you 're going to spot the blondes." Mm-hmm. Because we see what we expect to see. That's the way life works. That's the law of attraction. So, if you visualize what you want, it isn't going to guarantee you're going to get it, and you never get it the way you think you're going to get it anyhow. Mm-hmm. But if you use the power of visualization, it helps you. It's like putting an antennae up on the back of your head. It starts to you start to see things and pe- meet people, and you think situations. This was an accident. No, it's just you're kind of. You take all this information that's out in the world. If you were in an airport, and uh, and you're li- and you hear all the intercoms, you're not going to hear anything. You don't pay attention to anything. Mm-hmm. However, if it said, "Louis, Louis, <laughs> <Lewis, laughs> listen to my voice," <laughs> you're going to go, "Oh, what the hell?" <laughs> out of all this chaos. <laughs> so, uh, we have kind of an antennae up in the world, and we attract. And that's why you get to know yourself, to look around in your life. See who's in your life. Are they crumbs and people that don't keep their word? You know, yeah. and Do a house clean. Start to change your view of yourself, yeah. and you're going to start to attract different people.
0: Well, I think that's important because uh, you talked about it earlier, uh, about having positive people around you, having you know people that can enhance Absolutely. your life. And, not, I'm, and, and again, and I, and I said this a few times, it has nothing to do with finances, people that can enhance your life bring happiness maybe you know you're working on a project maybe they can you know be a positive influence on in what you're doing and how you're growing cuz even at this this stage James you're still growing as a person. Oh that I am. Yeah and when we we're all growing as people and you don't want to be the person cuz you know when you're when you're you're at 30 you're a different you're a different person than you were at 20 and 40 you're different than you were at 30 and so on and so forth and you you grow. You know, and I think that what what you what you're doing, I mean, with your breakthrough uh, thinking, and change management, uh, your, your, your team building, everything that you 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 do, and what we've spoken about on this show, for me, it's it's like amazing stuff. That's why I think that you know our listeners should embrace you, because you you speak truth. It's not you're not. Pitching something, where you have you know people out there pitching. I'm I'm the best of this. You you haven't said that. You you no
1: this because is, there are a lot of people a lot better than me.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you <laughs> but you bring you bring uh, some truth to, to the situation. You bring reality. You've been through things, and that's why when you spoke to those kids uh, earlier today, they embraced you. You know because they said, "Well, he's one of us." You know that, that
1: I, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah.
0: You know now. Yeah, yeah. Are they gonna? You know, take it. Uh, they're gonna remember this tomorrow. I don't know. We, we. You can only hope. You know, so you can only do what you do. That, that's the truth. That's it. That's it. You know, and that that's what you're doing, and that's why you you go out there and you you go. It's it's not so much. You're not just motivating people. You're giving them tools
1: so they that's can. The, that's yeah. what's important. Yeah. And and I hope people will visit the website because I have a lot of archived articles and they can download them for free. And every one of these articles, every one of them, is tools. Yeah, man. You know, they're free. It's free. It's, they go on. You, you look at something and you go, you know what? Wow, I can manage my self-talk. I can actually do that. Or I can look at my values and see what my values are and maybe look to see if I'm on the right track of life. So I really encourage people to... Uh, to go and take advantage of what I put out there.
0: Yeah, and, and just you know let our listeners know that I went, and when I was doing research on you, James, and and kind of looking at stuff, I was intrigued. I said, okay, wow. I mean, you're gonna inspire. You inspire people. You you've done a lot of things in your life, and you it's not about fluff. It's about you know some real stuff. But you have real techniques that someone can take, they they can embrace, and they can use it. You know to enhance their lives and yeah. and and, and, I, and I like that because you know you you inspired me
1: well, I'm so pleased you uh, and, and make sure you give on my website uh, so people can go download some of this stuff
0: oh definitely and definitely watch
1: the videos, watch the videos you know they're they're on youtube too and, and uh, everyone gives a little piece of information about the mind.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, for our listeners, you can go to jamesmapes.com, and I definitely urge you to go and f- and find out more about what he's talking about. Find out about the coaching, the products, you know. find If he's in your town, you know, if you have the opportunity to go to one of his seminars, something definitely I, I'd, I'd advise it because, again, this is not... And, and, and I, we, we talked about it a little bit, you know, it's not some book that, hey, I wrote a book and now you're going to follow me because I'm the Messiah. No, he's, <laughs> he's given tools for you to enhance your life. And that's what it's about. It's not, you know, anything that someone's shoving down your throat. This is, you know, you'll, you'll listen to it. Trust me, I did. You'll listen to it. You'll understand. And you'll say, oh, a light bulb will go off and say, oh. And, and that was my reaction. Okay, when I listened to your uh, your a couple of your videos, James, I was like, Oh, that makes sense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I try to make sense. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and you do, you do. But before we let you go, I have to ask you something. Now yep. you you were just uh you, you just filmed uh you, you uh did a movie, the um, what was it, the the Wicker Man?
1: Well oh, it, no, 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 the Wicker the Tree, wick, the Wicker I'll tree. tell you the, it's called the Wicker Tree. Wicker but tree. this is an interesting story. Uh at least I find it interesting. Uh, the director of the original Wicker Man with Brett Eklund, Edward Woodward, and Christopher Lee in 1973, 21 years ago. Mm -hmm. He's a Brit. He's British. He was in Connecticut. He saw my one-man show at Central Connecticut State University with about 2,000 people. It blew him away 21 years ago. And he wanted to cast me in two films. He lost the financing, and we stayed in touch. He'd never forgotten me. And I'll be damned if one day I didn't get a call. He said, "Would you like to play a ma- really a terrific part in a film that's the sequel to The Wicker Man?" So I did that, and I'm doing his next film, where it's called Wrath of the Gods. It's the third part in the trilogy. I'm playing a one-eyed. I will give you another website for you, or listener. This is just for fun. This isn't going, going to learn anything. It's James Mapes, M-A-P-E-S, actor. Dot .com JamesMapesActor.com. Mm-hmm. and you'll see the clips from the some of the clips from the films I've done and so i so i'm playing this one-eyed overweight and i'm in good shape overweight one-eyed horrible villain in his next <laughs> film <laughs> and you'll see the one i did i play a tap dancing <laughs> guitar playing mandolin strumming southern baptist preacher now i don't do any of those things uh-huh. but i had to learn them damn near killed me to learn them, but i did <laughs> yeah,
0: literally <laughs>
1: yeah literally no kidding <laughs> oh, well,
0: well I, I think that that's uh you know again your story is amazing my friend and i i hope that our listeners actually gain something from this because i know i have you know that's why i didn't interrupt you a lot because i want to hear what you had to say uh cuz this show is about you know bringing inspiring people to our listeners and that's what I that's what we've done today you're you're an inspiration and I and I wish you continued to success with everything and I know I, I don't even have to do that it's just going to happen by default I know that um but what what I want to do James is you know I want to bring you back on the show at some point Okay, so that we can, you know, get an update what's going on with you, maybe talk Terrific. about your your next book and 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 things of that nature because uh, you know, I just have a feeling that our listeners aren't going to get enough of you. And, well, that
1: would be that would be lovely. Yeah. Well, listen, by the next time we talk, this book I've been working on for nine year, 9 years, hopefully it'll be out, my new CD will be out for the patient thing and a lot of good things going on.
0: Yeah, you de- definitely do. And uh again, for our listeners, you know, I do urge you to go to JamesMapes.com. Uh, find out more about it. Find out about all the books. he I mean, how, how many books did you write, James?
1: I've got two, and this will be my third. And people can follow me on Twitter, and I'll follow back. And LinkedIn, I love LinkedIn. It's a really good thing. And of course, I'm on Facebook. And uh, you know, I had to. I have. I had to keep up with the social media thing. That's where it's at these
0: days. Yeah, that's. The, you definitely have to keep up with it. So, what's your Twitter handle?
1: At James Mapes.
0: At James Mapes. So, you know, check him out. Follow him. Follow this great. Uh, but it's
1: right on the home page. So they just click on the button.
0: There you go. Just click on a button. Follow him and and uh, learn more about you. Uh, James, again, thank you for coming on the show, and thank you for everything that you do. And, again, like you you spoke to the kids earlier, you know, those are a group of 25 kids. I guarantee you that you probably impact more people than you know.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on.
0: No, thank you. And, uh, And you have yourself a good evening, and we'll have you back on the show at a later date.
1: Great.
2: Take right.
0: care thank you. Initiating shutdown sequence. You're listening to UCW Radio in your
2: face. What is your major malfunction?
1: So let it be written,
2: so let it be done.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you.